Welcome to the Rock is George podcast. I'm your host, George Dion. The Rock is George podcast, of course, is rock music, whiskey, nostalgia, pop culture, and it's ever-evolving. Today's guest kind of punches a lot of those boxes. Uh, Rock music for sure, a little bit of nostalgia and pop culture for you. Uh, My guest today on episode 19 of the Rock is George podcast is Jim Peterick. Jim Peterick founded the band The Ides of March back in 1964. I'm pretty sure you're familiar with their song Vehicle. It has a very famous fanfare. Played at every wedding, (laughs) played at every event that has music and and the like. But uh, he's most famously known for his time in Survivor from 1979 to 1996. You all know Survivor's mega hit, Eye of the Tiger. It was in Rocky 3. They had another song that appeared in Rocky 4 called Burning Heart. Very popular song, very popular movie in the pop culture. Uh, He co-wrote a lot of Survivor's hits. The song High on You, The Search is Over, I Can't Hold Back. The list goes on and on with Survivor. What a lot of people don't know is that Jim Peterick wrote songs for other bands as well. He wrote some hit songs for 38 Special, Hold On Loosely, still playing on the radio today, Rockin' Into the Night, probably one of 38 Special's earliest hits. He wrote the song Heavy Metal for Sammy Hagar, and that song appeared in the movie, the movie based on the comic book Heavy Metal. He's also written songs for Leonard Skinner, Cheap Trick, Ariel Speedwagon, The Beach Boys, tons and tons of popular artists in, in our pop culture and He's still writing songs for other artists today. He co-wrote a few songs with Dennis DeYoung on his last two allegedly final albums. Uh, In the year 2000, Jim Petterick started World Stage. He's going to talk to you about how it got started and how it's turned into what it is today. Uh, Jim Petterick has also done a bunch of solo albums. He's done albums still to this day with the Ides of March. He formed a melodic rock band in the year 2003 called Pride Alliance. They recently released an album in 2020 called Lionheart. It's a fantastic album. I recommend checking that one out. Uh, in addition to music, Jim Peterick is, excuse me, Jim Peterick has branched out into all sorts of ventures. He's got his own protein bar called Jimmy Bars. He's got books that he's written, an autobiography. I believe Songwriting for Dummies was his as well. Uh, He's an avid collector of guitars, and he's an avid collector of cars. They kind of go hand in hand. Jim Peterick and World Stage are set to release Tigris, Women Who Rock the World. It's a little twist on past ventures under the world stage banner. This time, Jim is highlighting some of the great female artists he's worked with in the past, some that he admires, some that he sees as the future. I'm going to run down the list of the parties involved. Me and Jim tried to credit everyone who was involved in something, but the list is so extravagant, uh, we, we couldn't hit it all, and I wanted to make sure everyone got their credit. It's not just vocalists. Uh, Vocalists are all female, but he definitely brought in some female guitarists and drummers and percussionists and stuff like that. So I'm going to go down the list of vocalists. Kathy Richardson, 
from the current version of Jefferson Starship. Fantastic voice on this record, by the way. Uh, Kate French. Heavy metal fans will know Kate as the second singer in Chastain. Chloe Lowry is another vocalist. She's from Trans-Siberian Orchestra, and you may have heard her on Joel Holkstra's solo albums. Uh, Leslie Hunt is a new vocalist to the scene. Kimmy Hayes, she comes from Broadway. Janet Gardner used to be a member of Vixen. Shay Kane, one of my favorite new artists of the last year. Her debut album on Frontiers Records is self-titled. You have to check it out. Possibly album of 2021. And another vocalist on Tigress is Lindsay Kent. She's a newcomer to the scene. Uh, Marianne Lacoste, I may be pronouncing that wrong, from Uncle Cracker, appears on this album. And Rosa Lara Chuda, I am sorry if I butchered that, Rosa, from Trans-Siberian Orchestra. The guitarist involved is Jennifer Batten. Uh, Jim Peterick has worked with her in the past. She was also Michael Jackson's touring guitarist, as well as Jeff Beck's. Uh, Nilly Brosh, she's a sensation on YouTube that Peterick got introduced to. Uh, on the drums, we have Anika Niles. She's another YouTube sensation. Uh, Linda McDonald from the Iron Maidens. Sina is S-I-N-A. She is another YouTube sensation. Madden Class is part of Mike Doty's band. And the other musicians involved are Ashley Reeve. She's on bass. She's from... She plays live with Filter and Cher. So there's another Joel Hoekstra connection. Uh, Abigail Stan Schmidt is on violin. And Mindy Abair is on saxophone. Um... They're not all in each song. Some of the women get featured in some songs. Some of the women get featured in other songs. It's a little tough to, to break it down, but I hope you uh, got a good grasp of who Jim Peterick got involved in this. So let's get on to the interview with music legend Jim Peterick. On November 5th, your new album under the banner Jim Peterick and World Stage comes out. This one's called... Tigress, Women Who Rock the World. Before we get in on that, uh, could you get a little bit into how World Stage came to be? Yeah, George. Well, take me back. I'll take you back to 1996, the day I left Survivor. Uh, Independence Day, July 4th, when I decided it was time. The guys went on to another town. They in such a, a bad state and in such a, uh, a lot of mental distress with the situation of the band is a thousand things. And uh, I, I, I said, I'm not getting on that plane. And that was the end of uh, my 10 years, 17 years with, with Survivor. And uh, then I'm sitting there watching the fireworks on the 4th of July going, what the hell do I do now? And, uh, you know, I started, you know, well, of course, r really ramping up the Ides of March and getting even more serious with the eyes and more bookings. And that was so great because the original four guys to this minute, we're all still together and, and playing shows. But then I started really uh, cooking and I, I created this thing called world stage. And the first year uh, it was a, a sellout 
two days in a row, and I had people like Dennis uh, DeYoung and Kevin Cronin and Don Barnes and Kelly Kagi, and it was just an, an incredible show. And now, it's 22 years later, um, my next world stage show is the 15th of January, and it's going to be another uh, Dynamite Bill. Every year it's different. There's some repeaters like Toby Hitchcock and Pride Alliance. Uh, he'll be there again. But it, it's always different. And uh, speaking of Toby, then soon after that, in 2003, uh, actually, I met him in, in 2002. I met this geek, kind of geeky guy who was in the audience in Valparaiso watching the Ides of March at the uh, Popcorn Fest. And he comes up to me afterwards and says, my name's Toby Hitchcock. And I sing. I'm a singer. Oh, that's nice. That's great. Okay, fantastic. And uh, I don't think I even took his number. And I got home and Kelly, uh, Kelly Molick, my niece, called me and said, Uncle Jimmy, you know that guy you met, that Toby? I just had an audition with him for a Dick Clark show, and this guy is incredible. And, you know, Kelly, uh, Kelly is a singer, and she knows she's not going to BS me. And that's when I, I called uh, uh, Toby, and I said, sorry, I blew you off a little bit, but can you come over to the house and uh, do some singing? He came, drove in from Valparaiso, and I heard his voice, and I heard a combination of Dennis DeYoung and J.Y. and Tommy Shaw and all these great voices in one one uh, one voice. Did a demo tape. Serafino and, and Mario came in from Italy and met him in person and signed us. And that was the beginning of Pride Alliance. Awesome. And the two kind of came together as far as World Stage and Pride Alliance. You kind of, when you started with Frontiers, it was, you know, World Stage. Then you did a Pride Alliance on, then you did World Stage. And you did a couple other projects for Frontiers in between, but these are like your two major ones. And for this one, Women Who Rock the World, it's the first one where you used all female artists. Right, um, which is not quite true because all the singers are female and many of the musicians. But there are some uh, some ringers, <laughs> some guys, uh, you know, like sometimes I couldn't get a particular drummer like, uh, or a guitarist like Jennifer Batten. She's up in uh, in Oregon. She's not always available. So I, uh, a couple of tracks, I had Mike Aquino uh, from the World Stage Band play. Eddie Breckenfeld played some drums. But overall, it's, Tigress is, I would say, 80% female, definitely in, in all the lead, uh, lead vocal positions, except where I horn in a, a little bit of background vocals. But... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I'm really, really excited about this record. And I, I talked Serafino into it because he called me one day about a year and a half ago and said, Maestro, it's time for another world stage album. I said, I'm not kind of ready for that. You know, it seems like we just did a Toby album and, you know, Pride of Lions. And, and then I'm thinking on my feet, I said, how about a, a female world stage? I call it something like Tigress. I was just you know, just thinking on my feet. And he goes, yeah. You know, so he greenlit the the, um, the project and I started making calls. And of course, I I started at the top and I uh, I tried to get a hold of um, Fleetwood Mac. Um, Christine McVie. The other one. Uh, Stevie Nicks. Stevie Nicks. Man, all these names are in my head. 
But Stevie Nicks, uh, <laughs> to be honest with you, she uh, she was unavailable, and I don't know if that or she just didn't want to do it. But whatever, <laughs> I didn't I didn't get her. Uh, same thing with Ann Wilson, you know. And I decided, well, I'm not going to snare, you know, the, some of those women that have, are at the top of the, at the of the mountain. But I'm, I want to find the most talented gals that I, I could find, the greatest singers. And and I I, I started by uh, enlisting Jennifer Batten on guitar because I, I knew her and uh, I admired her ever since she was with Michael Jackson and later with Jeff Beck, uh, one of my guitar heroes. She could do it all. And I also kind of knew that she's kind of a switchboard for a lot of female uh, performers. So she helped me out a lot with securing other female singers. Uh, Joel Hoekstra, uh, who I'm sure you know, Trans-Siberian Orchestra, White Snake, an old friend of mine. In fact, if I may be so uh, uh, audacious to say I discovered him, I really <laughs> thrust him into the limelight, shall I say. I saw him uh, you know, um, demonstrating some gear at an AM show, and the guy's shredding, and he's, he's just so talented and such a nice guy, good-looking kid, and he was like 19. And... Uh, so the very first world stage, it was Mike Aquino on guitar and Joel Hoekstra on guitar. Not a, not a bad one-two punch. But he also turned me on to some of his favorite contacts, including uh, the, the gal that sings the first single and video, Prom Night in Pontiac, Chloe Lowry from Florida. And he recommended Chloe because uh, Chloe sang on his uh, Frontiers album from 2016. And... Uh, you know, I listened. He sent me some things that Chloe sang on. I said, "Oh man, if she's available, she's my first first call." But uh, she nailed two songs on this record: uh, "Prom Night" and uh, another great one. So <laughs> <laughs> all running together. I'm sorry. She did "Prom Night" and Pontiac, and she did "Music in the Air." Thank you, George. You're my hero. You can help me anytime you want. Oh, I spent two hours putting this together. I'm like, just going to refer to something I don't know. I can tell. Uh, Did you listen to the album at all? I did. You know what? I I really like it. It was a good mix of voices, but not only that, it was a good mix of uh, sounds. You know, you have sort of like with Tigris, you have sort of like a Middle Eastern flair, and then the song that follows that, you have sort of a country flair. I think Prom Night in, in Pontiac is sort of a country feel, and then when you get the, the the female vocalist from Broadway, Kimmy Hayes, you could tell that's a Broadway voice. Yeah, yes, good good catch. Uh, uh, but you're talking about sounds, and the gentleman you met earlier today, Larry Millis, he uh, did all the engineering on the record, and uh, we've been working together forever. He was the leader of the Ides, still is the leader of the Ides of March, and uh, I owe a lot of the sound of that record uh, to him. So. Yay, Lair. It's a team effort. <laughs> team effort. Yeah. What yeah, I liked about what I liked about World Stage is that Frontiers kind of does these, um, I guess, groupings, and sometimes they work and sometimes they don't. But you didn't stick with Frontiers label artists. I think Shay Kane is the only one that was right. from Frontiers, and Chloe's kind of a guest star in Frontiers. But everybody else seems to be studio musicians or musicians from your neighborhood in Chicago. Well, some are. But some are, you know, like people that Serafino actually recommended, whether they were on the label or not. 
you know who else helped me was his daughter, uh, what's Eleonora Serafino. She kind of, as soon as she saw the album credits, and I said uh, special thanks to Eleonora Serafino, the tigress of this album. Man, the checkbook opened, and suddenly I have double orange vinyl coming out in December. And uh, just, she loves this album. She really took some uh, ownership of it. And uh, it seems like uh, her daddy had a whole new respect for this record, just hearing how excited uh, Eleonora was. One of the more prominent singers on your album is Kathy Richardson. She's the current singer for Jefferson Starship. Fantastic performances and probably not someone that's as well known as she should be. Uh, amen to that. Uh, you know, and you know, I keep bragging on, on people I, I discovered, but she's another one. <laughs> and uh, I was pumping gas. Uh, I had a, a nightmare Jaguar X, XKE, never buy a Jaguar. Uh, and... Uh, <laughs> I stopped at the station uh, near my house, and uh, this gentleman was pumping gas. He was actually the owner of the station. After he's done pumping, he says, you know, my daughter is a singer. I go, oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody's got a daughter. You know, I'll be sitting at the gates of heaven, and God will say, I got this girl. You really got to hear her. But uh, I I kind of, I didn't blow him off. I took the phone number and this and that, but I didn't do anything about it, and about a week later, I get a call from Linda Mensch, the late Linda Mensch, one of the greatest music attorneys in Chicago who just got hit on the highway, hit and run. Uh, yeah, story unto itself. And she said, you know, that that girl, the gas station's daughter, you really got to, gas station owner's daughter, you really got to take a listen to her. I, you, I believe, you know. I didn't necessarily believe daddy, but uh, you, I believe. So I had her over to the house. In fact, it was right here. That's how long I've been in this house, about 33 years. And uh, she came in like kind of like a scared rabbit, very uh, awkward and nervous, and sat down, took out her acoustic guitar, and blew me away. Uh, she had this incredible, powerful voice, even at age 19, I think she was. Uh, and immediately we started working together, and I produced her first album, Moon Not Banana, uh, which still holds up quite well. Now, she's had about 18 uh, Kathy Richardson albums, but lately she really got into the Broadway thing and played uh, Love Janice. She played Janice Joplin on Broadway and uh, tore it up, tore it up. And then, uh, and then she got an invite to be the new Grace Slick of Jefferson Starship. And for, I would say, about the last six years, uh, she's been doing that, and uh, they're just an incredible uh, band back again. Too bad they've lost, uh, you know, some of the, the players. But the, the band they have right now uh, has has enough originality in their sound that people are loving it, and they're playing all the time. A couple of the musicians that you have on here are kind of got their start on YouTube. Uh, mostly the drummers, Cena and Anika Niles and Nilly Bosch, Brosh, they uh, kind of all started on YouTube and that they kind of made something of that. Well, that's true. And I think the big, biggest example of that perhaps is, is Cena. And, you know, she was, she was, every time you would turn on YouTube, you'd see her not only playing drums, but flute and guitar and banjo and you name it. 
you know, and but the bottom line is I liked her for her drumming. You know, I, I could find another flute player, you know, and uh, I called her up and, and she she's in uh, what she's in Germany and she speaks to her dad, who's her manager, real nice guy. And I said, I really like seeing I, I want her for drums, you know, how much would she charge? And uh, he goes, nothing. <laughs> I said, well, the price is right. You know, <laughs> why would she do that? Well, she builds her whole thing on publicity, and she wanted to work with me. It was really, really cool. And she just crushed this, the song that she was on. Uh, and you can tell me what song that is, George. It is. <laughs> uh, she is on Dear Life. Thank you. Yeah. And Lindsay Kent, that's a, a, a really a nice track. Well, they're all nice tracks because they're all my, my children. But Lindsay Kent is, is a gal uh, from Chicago, well, the Burbs. She's in a band called the Millennials. And uh, there's this thing called the Joliet, Illinois um, Hall of Fame. And the Ides of March were just inducted along with Buddy Guy and Kevin Cronin. Cronin flew out here for it. This is about a month and a half ago. And uh, through the gentleman that created this uh, museum, he said, you know, you really got to listen to Lindsay Kent. You know, so I had her over and the premise was to do a demo for Stevie Nicks because she kind of had that timber, you know. So she sang Dear Life and it was just a demo, you know, according to me and according to her. And then Stevie pulled out or never was one or the other, depends who you talk to. And uh, and I started working with, uh, with uh, Lindsay. And uh, I, I love her voice, I love her character. She's 21 years old and has that certain 21 year old naivete that really comes through. Absolutely, another younger particular vocalist is Shay Kane. She released her first album this year, it's fantastic. I was blown away by it, she really gets that sound that you helped create in the 80s and Pat Benatar and Lee Aaron and all that. I, I, I hope she really gets the platform to really shine as she grows older. Yeah, well, she's one of the uh, one of the videos and, and it's one of Frontier's favorite rec uh, songs. You know, the first full blown video is Prom Night. Have you seen that video yet? Or maybe you said you did. I did. I, I've seen Prom yeah. Night and I've seen Acapella. OK. And now they're working on uh, Tigress. Yeah, with uh, Kate French, uh, first time I've worked with her, she, she was a heavy metal singer. I don't know if you have, uh, have heard her stuff through the years, have you? She was the second vocalist in Chastain. That, boy, you're good. Man, I'm, I'm sticking with you. You're a <laughs> fountain of knowledge. Uh, but she had that gravelly, gruff thing. And... Uh, I said, can you sing normal? <laughs> and she said, yes, I can. And I'll show you. So I sent her the track of Tigress with a demo singer singing it. And she returned that thing. And yeah, she can sing normal really good. <laughs> and it was a great exercise for her because lately, in the last 10 years, she's been singing heavy metal. And uh, now she's really excited about this kind of rock, you know, like, Ann Wilson, you know, the mainstream female rock. Absolutely. Are you going to be able to work some of these female artists into your world stage live presentation? 
Absolutely. Uh, I'm, I'm doing it to see the 15th of January coming up. And, uh, you know, there'll be uh, Leslie Hunt, there'll be Kathy Richardson, there'll be uh, Mindy A. A. Bear on, on sax and, and vocals. Um, I'm missing a few. I, uh, Kimmy Hayes. Uh, yeah, we're going to kind of do a, med- a mini Tigress uh, along with some, you know, the Ides of March, of course, Toby Hitchcock. Uh, oh, uh, a, a new one, two new ones for me. Uh, the keyboard player for... Uh, Vanilla Fudge, Mark Stein. Very oh, yeah. honored to be. He's super talented. He's got a new record out. And then uh, Kim Wilson of uh, Thunderbirds, Fab Thunderbirds. It's going to be an incredible show. <laughs> it sounds like it's going to be. Hey guys, Rock is George breaking in here for the Rock is George podcast whiskey break. I'm going to try to make it brief because Jim is a great storyteller and he's got a lot more stories to tell. Uh, This week's whiskey that I'm featuring is Willet Pot Still Reserve Bourbon. Willet's kind of one of the older brands uh, in bourbon. They've been around for a very long time. Um, They make so many different products, not just under the Willet name or the Willet family. It goes beyond that. We're definitely going to be featuring more in the future. I just want to remind everybody, I don't get anything from Willet. This is sort of an advertisement, but sort of not. But uh, I, I, I don't get anything from Willet like that. I just appreciate whiskey. I like to share it with you all. And I like to keep it simple. Uh, according to Willet, this is a 90 proof, which means 47% alcohol by volume. Uh, it comes in a funky little container. It's definitely going to stand out because it looks like a pot still. Uh, what I know about pot stills is that they're mainly used to make Irish whiskey. And Willett's probably one of the few that makes theirs in a pot still. Uh, Willett describes this bourbon as vanilla lemon cake on the nose and on the palate, caramel, vanilla, spices, and citrus. If you heard my past whiskey breaks, you're going to get caramel and vanilla and a lot of different whiskeys and bourbons and scotches and stuff like that. So that's it's a good thing, actually. So I've already got my glass poured. I'll give you the... Uh, I give it the sniff test. Little little stringent on the alcohol smell, but uh, it's not bad. I'm not really getting vanilla lemon cake, as I've said in the past. These things are really subjectional. But uh, let's see what it's like. So I kind of taste that um, fruity citrus kind of flavors in there. Not there's actual citrus in it, but uh, you kind of taste that there. I taste a little bit of. Um, char from the barrel that it was aged in and uh, getting a little bit of spiciness from the uh, from the grains that are used here. This one's a good sipper. As I've said in the past, I drink mine straight. This would be good over ice. I don't, I'm not a mixing guy, so I don't know how I would, would taste uh, mixing. It's a bourbon whiskey that's kind of easy to find. Its bottle is unmistaken. The other Willet brands kind of tougher to find some are easier to find uh it's because they're good it's a good product it's a reasonable price i want to say it's about 40 45 dollars for a bottle it's uh worth a try i hope you enjoy it now let's get back to jim peterick jim peterick and world stage uh speaking of incredible shows you played the grand old opry for the first time recently i was kind of surprised it was your first time there yeah yeah uh, yeah, it was 
a, the night of my life. I mean, to play the op, Grand Old Opry, uh, being a rocker from Chicago, first of all, I, I couldn't believe they asked me. Uh, but there was, there was one girl, one woman there that books uh, all the acts. Big fan of, of, of the Ides of March. Big fan of Survivor. Big fan of mine. 4,500 people. Uh, uh, it was <clears throat> it was packed. I was on with the uh, let's see. Oh, uh, the the boys, the the Oak Ridge. Oak Ridge boys. They they headlined. That was right before the Oaks. It was a night of country music and fiddles. And then Peter gets up there, and I had rehearsed with with the band. Uh, and these are all top notch studio and live cats. And we we rehearsed before the show, and it sounded so tight and so amazing. I took that stage. I was introduced and. I, I just could do no wrong. I, I felt really relaxed. I feel it, like the people were behind me after I started with vehicle, big round of applause, hoots and hollers, ended with the eye of the tiger, told a little story about Stallone calling me. And I thought someone was pulling my leg, you know, and, uh, <laughs> Hey, yo, Jim, give me a call. It's a nice answer machine. You got there, you know? And I go, yeah, right. And I kept sorting the mail, but, uh, I told the story and people love those stories behind the songs, you know, and then I then I went into Tiger and the band with three two brass uh, two two Mexican mariachi style trumpet players who were great. They were both uh, from south of the border, you know. And uh, three three background singers, just an incredible band. And that was the song I got the the standing ovation from from the house, and that was such a good feeling. And I look over to my my right, and it was the uh, Oak Ridge boys watching watching the whole show, and they invited me to the dressing room. I mean, it was just a, a, an unbelievable night. You mentioned Sylvester Stallone, and he's re-releasing Rocky IV, Rocky versus Drago next month. And I had recently talked to Vince Nicola too about his time working on that soundtrack. Did you guys ever work together, or was, or was what you did with Survivor kind of separate what? Vince Nicola was doing with the score. Uh, yeah, I mean, I have so much respect for Vince Nicola. In fact, um, there's a group from Sweden, uh, Work of Art, who uh, used Vince on an arrangement on their last album. I had four songs on their record, but Vince re, uh, arranged one of them, and he still got it. He's just un unbelievable how great he is. I, I really would like to use him again. Because he does something that no other synthesizer player does. It's all that regimented energy stuff, you know. I, I love his works. Thanks for uh, reminding me to to call Vince, but I never <laughs> really worked with him hand hand to hand. Now, did you guys get a call that uh, another Rocky Four was coming out, and they're probably gonna sure. use your music or whatnot? Sure did. Uh, a, a little disappointment, only because. When Stallone, uh, well, he, he didn't call me direct this time, but through my publisher, they wanted to use um, Man Against the World at, at right. the, uh, for the end title, which was, of course, ended up on a, on a Survivor record, but it was supposed to be in Rocky IV. But Stallone, even with all his power, he couldn't uh, get the director to find a place for that song. And he was always disappointed in it. Finally, his publisher called me and said, Good news, they're going to use this, the end title. Congratulations. And I was like, yes. Last minute, they decided to um, bring out the uh, the tiger again, 
you know, and I'm not complaining, <laughs> but it would have been nice. Yeah, you know, there's something iconic about Rocky Four. I think that resonates with people even still today. Good versus bad, you know, kind of bringing things together. And the soundtrack played a big, a big role in that, even with Burning Heart. Yeah, Burning Heart really, really worked. Uh, we're on the road uh, with Survivor and REO, and we we're in some southern town, and I'm not sure which one. It all blended together for me, but. <laughs> We're around the pool, and we get a call from Stallone. Hey, we're going to do it again. And I said, what do you mean? Well, he was talking to Frankie at the time, but apparently he said, uh, got this new movie, Rocky Four, and um, I need the theme song. You're the guys. So he sent us this time a script. Instead of the rough cut, like for Rocky Three, he sent us the rough cut of the movie, and we had all that to inspire us. But we had a damn good script, and we saw that East-West Tension and the next day we rented a piano, brought it into the, uh, a suite at the hotel, and uh, we started playing, pounding that world. sir, while Frankie played the electric guitar. Before you knew it, we had a song. Uh, the next break was about three weeks later. We flew in um, Jimmy Jameson. In fact, we worked with the gentleman over here on his vocals uh, in Chicago, and uh, that, that, that's, that record still sounds good. Your first band, obviously, was the Ides of March. I think when everybody hears that fanfare of vehicle, they know the song, and maybe they're like, hey, who's that band? You probably get that. You probably get that a lot. But you guys have been going since 1964. You still got dates set up this year. I mean, there's something special about Ides of March, right? You're preaching to the choir, brother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, we feel very fortunate, and we do feel... There is something special about a, a band that has been friends and a, and a great band for all those years. Kind of a, a silent language when we're on stage. We have a lot of fun, but we take it very seriously. But, you know, we're flashing each other's smiles and laughs when there are certain parts of the songs that maybe recall a story. <laughs> and, uh, you know, one of those times I remember we were playing Calgary and uh, Vehicle was uh we always ended with vehicle duh you know <laughs> and uh janice joplin was on the side of the stage watching us play and that that's one of those memories but uh yeah we've had so many good times and uh i took 17 years off and uh helped create survivor but uh when i left in 96 back to the ides i mean we had been playing throughout the 90s but then we really ramped it up when i left when i left survivor the last time I talked to you was last year. Uh, you were promoting the um, Pride of Lions release, Lionheart, and you said you had 235 guitars in your collection. How many have you added to it over the course of the year? Two. Two? Two. I'm slacking, but but they happen to be uh, really special ones. Uh, my wife and I are turning 50 years uh, of marriage in I bought her a diamond ring uh, and, you know, a big one this time, not not the little rock from uh, when we first got married. I mean, not ostentatious, but the one she wanted. And she said, what do you want? And I said, I want a 59 Stratocaster, mint condition. <laughs> okay, that's fair. So I called up uh, my buddy David Brass uh, on the West Coast, who he's an Englishman that has all the dangerous vintage gear, you know, dangerously expensive and usually mint condition. 
And uh, do you have a 59 uh, Maple next strat? Well, as a matter of fact, I do. Duh. So uh, he sent me photographs. I mean, he is so anal. Like, he takes every nut and bolt off to make sure everything is authentic and perfect and original. He showed me all these pictures. So it's like it's like Playboy for a guitar geek. You know, <laughs> you see all the inner workings of a guitar. And uh, I said, sold. And Karen blessed it. And if I could take you in the basement where I display a lot of my guitars, it's has a place of honor. You're also a car collector, too. I saw that you have a 2008 Lamborghini, an O2 Prowler, which is a very cool vintage-looking car, a yeah. Chevy Bel Air from 55 and a Corvette from 58. Yeah, uh, funny funny you should mention that because Colin, my, my son, who is a great musician, producer, studio owner, he's doing a video for his new solo project, and wanted to uh, use the Corvette, 58 Corvette, in the video. Thing is, he, he's never driven a stick, much less a Corvette three-speed, you know? <laughs> so just before we, we talked today, I was giving him uh, a driving lesson in the parking lot at the soup, at the, the plaza. And, boy, that was a learning curve, you know, because this is very, I mean, no power steering, no, uh, you can't go automatically into first gear, you can't downshift into first without right. stopping first, no synchro, in other words. Um, he learned, you know, but, you know, the, those cars are so primitive. You know, you, you can't even turn the corner in the thing. You know, it's, <laughs> it's so heavy. But he, he, he did learn, and he's, uh, I think he's going to use this, this car in his video. Excellent. Do you have any other musical projects that you could talk about that you're working on? Uh, I could tell you, but then I'd have to kill you. Oh, I've heard that before. Trust me. Yeah. Everybody tells yeah. me that. No, uh, you know, I've, I've been working with uh, Robert Lamb in Chicago uh, on a new album for Chicago on BMG. We're writing some uh, really, really signature Chicago songs. And that's that's been a real thrill. He's he's brilliant. Great keyboard player, but also a great guy and a, and a great songwriter he's he's done so many of the big hits you know uh, he was the, actually the main songwriter of that band through the years i didn't realize it i always thought he and satira were about equal but by far i, I think robert lamb had, had the lion's share of the uh, the songwriting credits which i which i didn't know uh so the ides of march were kind of you know chipping away look our, we had a release during covid that didn't get its day, you know? Right. So we're really pushing that one, uh, which is called Play On. Boy, I'm glad Larry's here. God, <laughs> my head is so full of songs. Uh, but yeah, Play On, uh, Fred Mullen, who, uh, Canadian producer who has done all the Jimmy Webb albums since like 1974. He's done Linda Ronstadt, on and on. Anyway, he loves the Ides of March. And, we, every time I go to Nashville, we would have dinner. Hey, you know, I really would love to produce the ads. Finally, he did. And we used my son's studio for all the basic tracks. It's called the Jam Lab. And we, I would say it's the best album we've done ever. Uh, uh, I mean, we did some really nice albums uh, through the years, especially in the, in the 70s with the Vehicle Album and Midnight Oil. And we had four albums out, you know, between 70 and 73. Uh, 
but this one we're we're really proud of. So we're we're milking that one for a while, and then we'll <laughs> probably start another one. Well, you should probably talk Dennis DeYoung into another final album because the last two were actually pretty damn good. I I'm glad you liked them. Yeah. Well, never say never, but uh, I'm I'm working on them already. But it was just a, a joy working with Dennis, and um, we we started as kind of friendly rivals way back in the day when Survivor was riding the charts and and Sticks had already been to the mountain you know we were a little bit behind them in, in popularity and then we kind of caught up but we always would see each other and joke around and this and that but it wasn't until he moved like four blocks from me uh in fact he scouted the uh, the area that i'm in in burr ridge by visiting me and said take me around the neighborhood and i did and he bought a house just right there they're in a gated community i'm where all the peasants live you know <laughs> That's no, a nice area, but he's uh, in the gated part. And but we're so close together, we could literally walk to. He never walks, but I would walk to his house, or drive, and we'd write, and we'd come back here, and Larry would record the new thing we did. We must have recorded oh 15 songs, uh, new songs, and we distributed about nine of them between the two albums, and he really got on a on a streak with that second album. He really had a crisis of confidence. I had to literally convince him that the, the line I said, Dennis, he says, why would I make an album? And they, no one's going to buy it. You know, my head, my day and, you know, all that. I said, I've heard that from Kevin Crone and I've heard that from so many. And, and I said, Dennis, you do it because the world needs your music. And that resonated with him. And he says, got it. So I was in Italy and I, I started a song. I was walking through a cemetery and I, and I started a song and I sent him the rough, just iPhone version of it. And he loved it. And, and we started, when I came back, we started writing. But he, he credits me for um, convincing him. And he's, he's glad he did this, these records, you know, for uh, Frontiers. And they're great records, and you have a great record. It's Jim Peterick and World Stage, Tigress, Women Who Rock the World. It's out on November 5th, and that's all I got for you today. I appreciate you coming on the Rock is George podcast. I, I will, too. I just want to add that, the like you said, on November 5th, it drops, as the kids say. Oh, I should mention Abigail Stanschmidt, because she plays the fiddle on, on Tigress, and you know, she's just amazing. I mean, everyone was amazing. I, I could go down this list. But uh, the double orange vinyl, uh, Orange Tiger, get it, comes out in December. Awesome. And uh, it's going to be great. And I got a fair amount of uh, the personalities and singers on world stage. So it's going to be great. And I really appreciate a, a guy with so much knowledge about the business and specifically about what I've been up to, it really is very cool. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. And if if we didn't touch upon one of the great artists that's on this album, when I do my introduction in this interview, I'll make sure we hit everybody so everybody gets their credit. Much appreciated, George. Thank you. I want to once again thank Jim Peterick for appearing on the Rock is George podcast. Be sure to check out his latest album, Jim Peterick and World Stage. Tigress, Women Who Rock the World, out on November 5th through Frontiers Music. 
You can order the new vinyl or a CD through the Frontiers Music US shop. You can also order it through their European shop if you're overseas. They only do a limited run of the vinyls, so they're going to go fast. I'm pretty sure the album will also be streaming if that's your thing. But if you're going to go stream and you like it, you should go out and get a hard copy as well. If you want to hear a little more about Jim Peterick and his other project, Pride of Lions, I interviewed him last year for Metal Express Radio. Just head over to MetalExpressRadio.com and search for Jim Peterick where he talks about Pride of Lions album Lionheart and he's got some more great Sylvester Stallone stories involving Rocky III. Also check out that Pride of Lions album. It's quite impressive. It kind of keeps that survivor vibe going in the modern times. I also want to thank Dustin Hardman of Hardman Promotions for making this interview with Jim possible. I want to thank Frontiers Music for also making this possible. If you haven't heard of Frontiers Music and you grew up in the 80s in the U.S. like I did, be sure to check them out because the bands that we grew up with are over there still making new music and still kicking ass. Frontiers has been very generous to me, so has Dustin Hardman. I can't thank them enough for getting me in touch with some of these artists and musicians that I really admire and some of the newer stuff that kind of keeps the music alive that I grew up with. Does that make sense? You've been great. I've been George Dion. I'll see you again soon.